Hey, welcome to the Kapow Radio Show, Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness. I'm your host, Paul Kapow. Hey, last week I did a show on giving, how to really give to God. It was about, it was taken out of Deuteronomy and about um, the cheerful heart, about the willingness uh, to give to God because of your, uh, well, them, the people of Israel at that time of their uh, admiration of God, uh, trusting him as their deity, um, the sovereign of their nation, the fear of the Lord, and all these things came into play where their heart was then changed to give. And last week I talked about how there had to be some people there whose heart wasn't changed because six times it used the phrase a willing heart of, of something to that effect where people willingly gave. But there was nothing in that passage at all about punishment to people who don't or being cursed or anything like that. It's clear from that passage in Deuteronomy last week uh, that I talked about that God wants a cheerful, willing heart in service to him. Oh, just like, just like, you know, with your kids or your wife or your husband, you know, you don't want them to love you and do things because they feel they have to, uh, because they took a wedding vow and they said for better, for worse. And it's worse to, um, you know, take out the, the trash or do the dishes than it is better for them. And, um, they don't want to do it, but they do it you know, begrudgingly because they made a vow to you. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. You you would you would want your your spouse or your children or your parents to love you uh, because they love you and do these things in your behalf because they they love and respect you and want the best for you, right? So God's no different in that, and it's it's clear in the New Testament standard in giving. Uh, it's clear all in the New Testament, it talks about God uh, wanting the willingness, the cheerful heart. Now, if we go to Acts, and I'm not going to read that right now, but if we go to Acts and we read the story about Ananias and Sapphira, in the very early church, they were uh, given to selling their property and uh, distributing their funds among all the, the Christians who were then, at that point, they were considered a cult. And they, they came out of Judaism, but the Jews the Jews that rejected Messiah and rejected the gospel message then kicked those early Christians out of the synagogue, out of the marketplace, out of things like that. So they were really on their own and they were being persecuted early on. So the early church uh, sold their possessions. Many of them sold property and brought it together. And so the disciples could distribute evenly among people and, and um, you know, they can live, they can eat. So in this particular story in the, in, in the book of Acts, this couple, a married couple had, had a property and they sold it for X amount and they kept some of the money back and then laid the other part of the money uh, at Peter's feet. And basically the Holy Spirit told Peter, uh, these guys are lying. They're defrauding you because they held part of it back. And Peter says, you know, why, why do you lie to the Holy Spirit? And here's what's important in that particular passage, that 
it says, wasn't it the property was yours in the first place? I mean, you could have sold it and done whatever you want with the money. God, God don't care. It wasn't, it wasn't like he cared. What he cared about was your disingenuous heart, right? It wasn't a heart given willingly. It wasn't a heart giving cheerfully. It wasn't a heart giving out of love and respect and fear for your deity, for your sovereign. It was a heart of deceitfulness and defrauding is what it is what it was. They were trying to defraud by appearing to be religious, you know, and part of this community, but keeping part of the money back. And even Peter says it was yours to begin with. No one cares if you kept you kept it all. Who cares? What we care about is your heart condition. And at that time, uh, when God was forming the early church. Uh, there was no messing around. Uh, could you imagine if you had those standards today? I don't think any of us would be around. <laughs> any of us would be around. And so uh, the the husband he was he was killed right on the spot. And while they were taking his body out, the story says the wife comes in and she's asked the same question. And of course she defrauds, and then she uh, she gets whacked too. So. They, they were actually physically killed there, not because they didn't give 100% of their property, because they were uh, defrauding in their heart. See, it's a heart condition. It's always a heart condition. So last week, when I talked to you in Deuteronomy about the heart condition, it's clear that God had given them the ability to willingly give to his service. And, and at that point, it was uh, establishing the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, and Aaron being the high priest and establishing the place of meeting, the tent, the tabernacle, where God's presence would be. Presence would be. So it's it's interesting that the very next day after I, I did this show, I got uh, one of my podcasts from one of my favorite Bible scholars that I will not tell you the name because I, I don't want to talk bad about this person, but um, he's one of my favorite Bible scholars and he's uh, leans towards the reformed uh, theology, Calvinism type, but he's a very good Bible scholar and, and um, he one, one of my favorite teachers. So his, his podcast was on shell. Can, can you rob God? Can you rob God? And when you see that title right away, I knew he was talking about Malachi 3.8, you know, will a man rob God? And right off the bat, the Hebrew word there is not rob. It's not like you take a gun. In America, we think of rob. There's a difference between burglary and robbery. People get it mixed up all the time. Your house doesn't get robbed um, unless it's home invasion and they rob you in the house. But your house gets burgled or they break into your car. Your car gets burgled. To get robbed, it's by force or fear. Someone takes your possessions by force or fear. They're not burglaring you, they're robbing you. So there's a there's a legal difference there. So when we read that in the Bible, uh, will a man rob God? You know, you're thinking of a man holding God at gunpoint. Well, of course he can't. But the Hebrew word there is is equivalent to defraud. Will a man defraud God? And so we see that New Testament story of Ananias and Sapphira exactly that happening. They were, def they can't defraud God, but they were defrauding uh, the other people, the church. They were being disingenuous. They weren't giving out a willing heart. Uh, 
and um, the, the church couldn't be established on that. So we have here, um, I'm listening to this guy. This is, uh, you know, can a man rob God? I know exactly where he's going with it. So I'm, I'm excited to hear his take on it because he's one of my favorite scholars. And um, I, I'm pretty confident he's going to agree with uh, the teaching I just gave the day before, you know, about a cheerful heart and God willingly. But one thing I've noticed that those people who uh, push Malachi 3.8 as a doctrine, a tithing doctrine, are always the people that have a ministry uh, that's also needs financial support. Whether it be a church, uh, whether it's a pastor or uh, some kind of Christian ministry, it's always somebody who needs financial support. Uh, a guy like me, I can tell you the truth about the scripture because I'm not colored by the finances. I don't need your money. Don't want your money. I'm just going to tell you the truth. So I finance myself or God finances me and he gives the increase. So there, there's a difference there. I'm just, that's, I'm telling you the truth. You will see the people, uh, they know better. This man knows better. He's a scholar. I know he knows better, but he went ahead and went the approach of uh, tithing, uh, even so much so that he told a story that was really disgusting that as he was co-pastoring the church, he had a, a gentleman um, do a council session with him and said, look at pastor, I cannot pay the church 10% of my income. I cannot pay 10% tithe. And so uh, when he was asked why he couldn't do that, he says, I simply can't afford it. I cannot afford that 10%. Now there are many, many, many people. I've got many, many stories I can tell you about people uh, who get hung up on tithing and the tithe thing, and it, it can really lead them to a bad path because it leads to a path of guilt and shame where you have to pay off God or you think it's God insurance, that nothing bad can happen to you because you're paying the tithe. My my parents were like that. They, they looked at tithing as insurance and that nothing bad could happen to their family financially or anything because... Uh, God honored their tithe. And it's simply not true. A lot of bad things did happen to the family. And uh, in fact, they're both deceased. They're both dead. And my dad died an ugly, ugly death with a liver cancer. Um, the tithe didn't stop that because that's not what it's about. You don't, you don't pay God fire insurance. You know, he's not all state. God, it's a heart. It's always a relationship with God. I've got to just keep emphasizing that you see him as your sovereign in your life. Everything else will fall in place after that because you won't be doing religious nonsense. And a lot of times the, the push on the tithe is religious nonsense. Now, if you're one who's going to a church and you're tithing and that's what you want to do, I'm not trying to discourage you from doing that. I just don't want you to feel like it's insurance or feel like you have to, or if you can't afford it, to ruin your life and ruin your family's life, thinking, well, God's going to honor me anyway if I do something stupid and, you know, uh, put it on my credit card. Because there are people who do that because they're, they're conjoled and they feel guilty about it. So my job here isn't to try to, to convince you not to do that. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. You make your own decision. So anyway, this guy I'm listening to, the scholar I'm listening to, tells a story. This guy says, hey, I can't pay my tithes. He goes, why not? Because I can't afford it. And his answer, the, the, the minister's answer to this guy is this. It's because you're living too high of a lifestyle. You need to ramp down your lifestyle 
and then you can pay tithes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I can see that reasoning if the guy's coming up to you and he goes, I can't afford it because I got I to gotta pay payments on my mega yacht. I got to make payments on my three homes in the Hamptons and uh, the space shuttle, you know, that I'm buying. So I just, I can't afford the 10% because I'm a multi-billionaire and that's a lot of money. And I can see the reason you go, well, maybe, you know, you're kind of living too high off the hog. But what if that same man says, I, I can't afford it because I, I can't even keep the lights on. I can't even pay my electricity bill. My my kids have holes in the bottom of the shoes and I can't even, I can't buy them new shoes for school. I'm using duct tape to hold them. I simply can't afford to give you 10%. I simply don't have it to even to feed my family. So to tell that guy that he's living too high and to, to ramp down his lifestyle so he can give to the church, to me is a crime. To me, that's defrauding him. And to me, that's a sin that that minister uh, hopefully repented of because it's just a horrible thing to say to somebody to treat somebody so i I listened to this podcast about robbing god and of course his take on it was you could in fact rob god and what i'm telling you is in fact you cannot rob god you can defraud yourself and you defraud the church and you can defraud uh your relationship and you could pretend you're something you're not but you can't defraud god god knows everything God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your 10%. What he wants is your willingness to serve him. He wants to be deity of your life and sovereign of your life. And he gave you that life. That's his gift. And so the other thing I noticed, the guy I was listening to did not read Malachi. And you'll see this when money preachers or any preachers that are taking an offering uh, talk about Malachi 3.8, they only read that portion of uh, will you rub will you rob God by withholding your tithe and offering? They'll never read you the context of the book. Uh, you have to open up the book yourself and read the context. I used to go when I first got saved. Um, I went to this Assembly of God Church, and we actually had they actually had an ATM in the lobby, uh, ATM in the lobby, and that tells you where their stress was. They were a, they were a money making organization, and so the pastor would encourage the congregation to pay their tithes, put it on their credit card. If you just put it on your credit card, that way you get points too. You get points, you can fly all around and and stuff, put on your credit card. They had an ATM right there, so you have no excuse not to go to the ATM and blah, blah, blah. And when I joined the church and I went to, you know, their 101, 102, 103, you know, joined the church thing, when it came to the money deal, they brought out the associate pastor who was a real ex-Catholic legalist, heavy hitter. And boy, he was, he hit that tithe thing heavy. And one of the gals um, there said said the same thing to him. I, I can't afford you know, to do this. And he says, well, you can't afford not to. And the question was put to him, well, do we tithe on before taxes or after taxes? And his answer was to be safe, tithe on the before taxes. So, you know, to be safe, you know, God's like, well, I'm not going to honor you because you're tithing. We already paid the government and you're not paying me first. Man, I tell you, I don't want to serve a God like that. I don't want to serve a mafia God. Uh, that's not my, you know, there's a lot of religions out there and there's a lot of nicer religions than to serve some crazy psychotic God who's, who's demanding, um, that you pay him before you pay your taxes or feed your children. That's not the God I serve. That's not the sovereign I serve, but there are people out there that, uh, they, they get messed up with this stuff 
And I remember sitting in this class and I felt sorry for this gal. And then another gal was there and her husband was in the military and he wasn't really big on going to church or being really religious or nothing. He was a fighting man, but she was, uh, she was left at home and she was going to this church. She attended this class. And so she asked the question, she says, look at, she goes, I have an allowance. My husband gives me just a little bit of money and I have to buy groceries and take care of the bills and everything while he's, you know, fighting in the Middle East. And she goes, I, I can't take 10% out. Uh, he'll kill me. You know, he'll, that's, he, he, he does not agree with this. And she was told to obey God rather than her husband and to pay the tithe on her allowance uh, before she paid the bills. That's criminal, folks. And I, I was there. I'm telling you firsthand. Um, and uh, Miss Kapow, my wife, is my witness. We both attended this class. So, you know, I, I grew up. You know, I grew up in the, you know, in church. Uh, my mother was used every year around tax time to take, to take an offering. Every year, she was used, and um, she was an associate pastor at these churches, and she was a minister. She had a ministerial license and stuff, but she was really good at taking offerings. And the one thing she taught me when I was little is that to take up an offering around the end of the year is a good thing because of tax time. I talked about this last uh, last week, but that uh, people get a tax break. And so you can encourage them to give a little extra money and, um, you know, get get that tax break. Now, I don't remember my mom ever using Malachi 3.8, but uh, she certainly used, um, you know, she draw an offering. And as I grew older and this one church I was talking about with the ATM and the uh, the lobby, they had a whole team of people that every every service uh, they would rotate the, the heavy hitters to take an offering and no one got up there unless you're a heavy hitter and knew how to take up an offering. They really knew how to draw money, uh, from people. So that's what it's all about. By the way, that particular pastor ended up getting fired for, um, financial, uh, <laughs> financial, uh, whatever it was, uh, happenings, so something to do with the credit card and buying stuff and, uh, something to do with money. Go figure. Wow. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be. So anyway, instead of the assembly of God's, uh, firing them or whatever, they just gave him another job in the district. And guess what his job was collecting the ties from the other churches because he was good. He was good at making money and make it in roads. So that's between him and God. Um, Oh, he's the same guy. I can tell you a story. He's the same guy that wanted me to be a board member. And, uh, you remember when I was going to this church, I was still working as a police Lieutenant. So at the time I was probably knocking out 150 to 170 grand a year. I was making good money. And, um, California, Southern California agent, I made good money. And, um, so, you know, they see this and plus he loved law enforcement. He loved the fact that, uh, you know, I can carry a gun and be a security and all this weird crap. It just, it was a strange place. And, um, so the, so the guy started uh, investigating me and kind of like researching me and thought I'd be a good board member. Well, here's the deal they, they had nine board members, nine board members, I did him <coughs> and they were all required to pay 10% of their tithes to the church. And all nine board members were wealthy men. They all, they all had companies and businesses, and they were all wealthy. 
seriously. So that he was looking at me, not because I was spiritual, because I wasn't allowed to do anything spiritual. What I wanted to do was, was talk about, uh, you know, demons in your marriage bad and how to, how to fight Satan. Uh, but instead, I was playing drums, you know, in a worship team. You know, that's all I did. And I was nothing special, but uh, I was looked at to be a board member. And when he interviewed me, I had an interview and everything was fine. And he was like, well, man, we can't wait to have you on board. You're a good dude. And, you know, plus I was sharp. I was a police lieutenant and I knew business. I knew after action reports. I knew liability. I knew I knew stuff from working from a major police department in the city. You know, I, I was smart in that in that way. And uh, so he thought my skills were real good, real good fit to be a board. And at the end, he asked me the question about uh, he came right out and he was honest. He says, do you have a problem with, with, with tithing? Because I, I require all my board members to tithe. And I said, well, sir, I believe in the new Testament, uh, uh, the new Testament teaching on giving and that you should give, uh, out of a cheerful heart that God gives put places on your heart, what you should do. And boy, his face just, woo, it changed. And, um, he's like, well, you know, I know I'm sorry knowing that everything you've been through. Cause it, it knew that I'd just been through hell and back in 2006 with, with demons in my marriage bad. And, um, anyway, he didn't select me to be on the board. <laughs> in fact, they, they didn't really talk much anymore. And what it was, the defining, defining moment was because I told him I didn't believe in paying 10%, but I believed in paying what God put on your heart. You know, and I'm not here to brag. I don't want to get, you know, my left hand out of my right hand, but I give a lot of money away, but I give it to who God tells me to give it away and when. And it's not about a tax deduction because I give money away to regular people who need it. Regular people. I mean, my wife and I have paid money for people's, I mean, to buy a car. Seriously, buy a car. We've uh, fixed cars. We fixed We've given them money because God has blessed us. We bless them. I'm not bragging, but when God puts that on my heart, he puts it on my heart. So um, to, to not be able to do that because I'm given some organization the money because I feel like I have to is is criminal. It's criminal. And I'm, I've got to answer to my sovereign and I'm going to be a good steward of what the sovereign gives me because I know it's not mine. It's all his. And, and when he says release it here, then I'm going to release it there. I'm not going to listen to what a man tells me to do, but what God tells me to do. Recently, spiritual attacks on innocent people have increased considerably. This is partly due to society's transformation into a satanic cult. Most people are clueless or hopeless in combating this spiritual mayhem. We wish to offer two good books to overcome these attacks. First, Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare offers one of the most effective training systems in combating spiritual darkness in order to gain personal freedom. Second, Eyes to See Unseen Enemies teaches how to see the hidden dangers which are all around us, even in places we would least expect them. Both books can be purchased on Amazon.com as a paperback or ebook. It is our desire that you will take advantage of these opportunities to increase your effectiveness in spiritual warfare and learn how to fight back instead of being a victim. We'll see you on the battlefield. So anyway, that's a little bit of that, that story. And, and so I was really, really disappointed to hear uh, my favorite scholar and Bible teacher go that route. But it doesn't surprise me. So real quick, 
you know, if you go to the book of Malachi sometime, look at it. See, this is where they get all the uh, the heavy the heavy tithe guilt thing about robbing God. But uh, if you just look at the very first verse, it's the burden of the word of the Lord to Israel, right? I'm not saying it doesn't apply to you. Of course, everything in the Bible applies to you. It doesn't just apply to ancient Israel. But we have to look at the context of what we're reading. And it's definitely to Israel prior to Christ. And God is telling them that he, he, he loved them and that he chose Israel above Edom and all this stuff, but they're be, they're wicked. And the, the tone of the book is not about tithing. The tone of the book is about their wickedness and their rebellion against them, him as their sovereign. That's what it's all about. And it says that, um, they, you know, they won't respect the Lord. They don't fear him. They don't honor him. They don't, they don't, they don't do anything. And then he gets, he gets going on the priest. Okay. It's not just the people, it's the priest. So the people who use Malachi 3, 8 as, as a weapon against you, they don't even tell you that that's written for the priest, but they want to put themselves in a priest position and say, we're the new temple. The church is the temple. We're the priests. Give us the storehouse, right? So, <laughs> but the whole book is written against the priests. And, and I got to tell you, so I have a real problem with that because there's no pastor, no associate pastor, no elder. Nobody is my priest. Don't call yourself my priest. Don't call yourself my father. I have one father and I have one priest and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the final priest, the final sacrifice. I don't want some steaking flesh rotten, carnal, polluted, son of man, serpent, sucking, son of a bastard telling me that they're above me as my priest. That ticks me off, as you can tell. That is, I'll put my fist in your face language. That really ticks me off. So these people who like to use this want to say their church is the, is the new temple and that they are the priesthood and you're giving to them because there are so much, there's so many churches out there that if you were going to do that, you would have to send all your tithes to one central depository and then they distribute it out to other people, to all the churches. It, this is just, just such, this is such deception. It just, it's, it just really just ticks me off. So, Here's Malachi saying, the first thing God is saying to the Israel through Malachi, the first thing he's saying is like, he's talking to the priest. He says, you priest, you despise my name. And you say, well, how do we despise your name? Because you give polluted bread. The first thing he talks about is offerings, sacrifices, polluted bread upon the altar. See, not talking about money. He's talking about what they're doing. It's contemptible, right? Then they offer the blind for sacrifice, blind animals, lame animals, everything that goes against the Levitical law, everything that goes against that was laid out in Deuteronomy and Leviticus for the law. See, this is what they're doing. It says, uh, you know, how can I be pleased with you when you do stuff like this? Um, they, they, they do all kinds of strange fire on the altar. Remember, Levi's uh, sons were killed for offering strange fire on the offer on, on the uh, on the altar. He, he says, God says, neither will I accept an offering at your hand because it's just, you know, um, you're burning incense that the same Gentiles do. In other words. Their lifestyle is one of wickedness and antichrist, anti-God. They profane the things of God. They're they're offering sick and lame animals. Um, they're doing everything that they shouldn't do. And God is saying, 
what is wrong with you? That's the first thing he's saying. It had nothing to do with money or anything. The tithe was all part of their wicked lifestyle, see? But, you know, a money preacher is not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you the whole truth because they're motivated by money. I mean, when you hear me, I'm talking about this and I'm not motivated for your money. I'm just telling you the truth. You do what you want. I just don't want you to be in bondage. You know, I don't want you to get ripped off. In fact, I want you to be able to, to release your finances to those who God tells you to do and let him bless you on that. That's when you're going to get blessed. You know, not when some dude is telling you what to do because they think they're they're above you spiritually. And uh, so in verse in, in the chap, second chapter of Malachi, God says, and now you priest, the commandment is for you. Oh, check this out. This commandment is for you. Yeah. So he's saying, you know, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to send a curse on you. I'll curse all your blessings. I'll curse you because you do not lay it to heart. And see, it's a heart issue. It's just like I taught last week. There, it's a heart. He's, he's, he says, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to corrupt your seed. I'm going to spread poop all over your feet. That's what he says. I'm going to spread dug all over your solemn feast. You're going to eat poop. God just says, behold, I'll corrupt your seed and spread dung. You know what dung is? That's poop. Excrement. Fecal matter upon your faces. That's what God said. And you shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be Levi. Whoa, might be with Levi. See, it's, it's for the priests. My covenant was him in life and peace. I gave them um, for him for fear wherewith he feared me. See, so his whole thing is that they're not respecting him. Levi did. Uh, but now the, the new priests right before the end of the Old Testament are treacherous. <laughs> they're wicked. They're profane, right? Um, they're they're marrying uh, women, Gentile women, uh, pagan women. They're all kinds of stuff, but yet they're crying on the altar with the, you know with tears, right? They're weeping and crying, and they say um, God doesn't regard our offering anymore. He doesn't receive it from good with our hand, and the reason why is because they're wicked, not because they don't pay a certain percent. <laughs> You get it? They're not being punished or God's not threatening them with judgment because they're not towing a financial line. It's because they're not towing a spiritual line. Verse four, second uh, chapter, verse 14. Uh, but you say, why, Lord, uh, who's been a witness between uh, thee and my wife of thy youth, whom thou hast dealt treacherously, uh, yet's thy companion and thy wife of thy covenant. And then he starts talking about divorce. Uh-oh. Uh, you won't hear the money preachers even touch that because if you start talking about divorce, you'll lose half your congregation, right? But God is talking about them. He's not even talking about, he's not talking about divorce so much as he's even talking about tithes. He's talking about them putting away their wives, the wives, the, the Jewish wives or Israeli wives that God says, I want you to create holy seed. And they're going out and screwing around with pagan women. That's what, that's what they were doing. And so that's what he's talking about. Okay, so they weary God with their words. Okay, now chapter three, this is the big chapter that, you know, they want to send you to. <clears throat> and uh, first it starts off, you know, the, with coming the messengers is going to come and, and, and refine everybody. He's talking about judgment and all this stuff. And, uh, and then he's going to make the offering of uh, Israel and Judah, you know, good you know, to him. And he says, I'll be a swift witness against the sorcerers. He actually calls these people sorcerers. They practice magic and witchcraft. What is witchcraft? 
Witchcraft is manipulation. Anybody who manipulates you, any narcissist that manipulates you to do something you wouldn't normally do on your own is, is practicing witchcraft. That's what witchcraft is. Witchcraft is getting somebody to do something they wouldn't normally do on their own. It's a sorcerer. It's witchcraft. It could be your church. It could be, but there's witchcraft. There's Christian witchcraft people. The fact forcing yourself to pay tithes or making you feel guilty about it is witchcraft. Cause you're doing something you wouldn't normally do. You're doing it because you know, like my parents did, you know, because it's insurance. They, they thought that nothing bad would happen. Um, I, I worked with one gal, um, at a church. She was a bass player. I worked with her and she was saying her parents gave triple tithe. They gave triple. They were so worried about something bad happening. They gave triple tithe. They gave 30% of everything because they were, it was insurance for them. Yeah. So they're out there. People are taught this. Now, if they want to do that and they're happy, that's fine. But that's not the way it works. Bad things will still happen to them. Right. And you say, well, God's got to honor me for this and everything. God doesn't have to honor you for religious service. He, he honors you because you made him sovereign of your life. I, I, I just hope I can get that through people. Um, Anyway, these, these priests were false witnesses and they oppressed uh, people in their wages. Uh, the widow and the fatherless, they turn aside strangers, right? They're not, they're not doing anything godly, right? Um, they, and they don't fear, it says, they don't fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. They, they have no respect for God. He's not the deity of their life. They're, he's not the sovereign of their life. They're not even serving God, but they're very religious, See, they're still doing sacrifices, but they're profane sacrifices. They're still serving in the temple, but they're, they're wicked. Yeah. And so in verse 7, it says, Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I'll return unto you, says the Lord. So he's, he's telling them, if you just repent and come back to me and recognize me as your sovereign, I'll bless you again. And then here's verse 8. Here's the famous money preacher here's the money shot folks verse 8 chapter 3 will a man rob god the hebrew word once again is quaba it means to defraud or spoil will a man defraud god are you gonna fool god no and then he says yet you have tried to fool me or defrauded me but do you say, where well, we did this? And then God says, in tithes, which is a 10%, and offerings. Now, this is, are we in the Old Testament Levitical system when this is written? Yeah. Yeah, this is before Christ. This is before New Testament. This is under the law. Ye are cursed with a curse for you who have defrauded me. Even this whole nation, not just the priest, the whole nation's dead. And so then God says, bring ye all the tithes. And this is what the preachers love to, to, to stress on you. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. What's the storehouse? Well, back then was the treasury, was the temple, right? It was the depository for the temple. It, you have to understand the, their whole system. You brought that out to the to the to the temple, and then the priest then distributed those tithes. They pay tithes on their 
tithes to the Levites who, who didn't have an inheritance. They had no land because they were gods. God was their inheritance. So Israel was commanded to take care of the Levites. This is something they weren't doing. They weren't bringing the storehouse to take care of them. This is not, you, you cannot apply this to a modern day church. If you did, you would have to be bringing grain offerings and animals and other sacrifice because you can't have one piece of the law, not the other. And then that church would have to then distribute it to those people who are actually, well, Levites, priests, and they were called out to God to do that. We don't have that because Christ is our final priest. That's what I'm saying. This this is totally taken out of the context of your, your, your heart condition with God. Now, and he says, uh, bring all your tithes into the storehouse and maybe meet in mine house, right? God wants meat in his house. Why? Because it gets distributed and prove me now, saith the Lord of hosts, if uh, I will not open the windows of heaven. So they love this because the money preachers love this because they'll open up the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. There'll be room not to receive it. They love quoting that because if you give to their church X amount of money and you're faithful to your tithes, you do triple tithes, it's not only fire insurance, but you'll get double you'll get triple. Um, I used to play drums with Charles and Francis Hunter, and I played with them for a couple of years as a professional drummer and traveled all around. I got pictures of me and Jim Baker when he was in the, whatever, that Praise the Lord Club thing. Uh, and they were um, charismatic people, beautiful people, charismatics. But uh, they were really good at taking offerings. That's one of the things they would teach. And they would tell stories about how somebody gave their last dime to, to God, to blah, blah, blah. And then they went to the truck stop restroom and pulled out the toilet roll and out came a $100 bill. They would tell these stories. And uh, unverified, obviously not true stories. And um, But that you God will give you back 100-fold, sometimes 200-fold, 300-fold. So your motivation to give is more like your motivation to going to a casino, right? Uh, or playing the stock market. You're going to get money back. Uh, this is, it's, it's very wicked to teach it like this, but, um, I've been around this all my life, folks. So I think that's why I'm passionate about it. Um, I have, I've seen this all my life since I was four years old, the whole money thing. Uh, and I will, it says, I will rebuke your devourer for your sakes and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall you vine cast your fruit before the time in the field, blah, 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 blah. All the nations shall call you blessed. You'll be delight and everything. So that's God's promise. If you pay tithes, that's what they're trying to teach you, but that's all they go to. They don't do anything else about your lifestyle or how your relationship is with God. And they just go there and that's their big money. That's their money shot, uh, scripture. To use and then you know it goes on and God keeps talking about other things even beyond money about um, uh, you know return to me and stuff like that and uh, so in verse uh, chapter four he says behold the days cometh that I'll burn uh, as an oven all the proud and all those who do wickedly shall be stubble he's going to burn them up he's going to take care of them and um, but unto you that fear my name okay this is verse two in chapter four that are afraid, that are fearful, that are reverent, my name, God's character, who you know God is, shall the son, S-U-N, son of righteousness, and um, arise with healing in his wings. In other words, you're going to have eternal life if you fear God and um, 
he's going to provide that provision for you, which he has through his Lord Jesus Christ. And you should go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and you should tread down the wicked. He makes all these other promises. But the promise is conditional to you repenting and turning back to God, right? And so he ends in, you know, verse 5, he's going to send Elijah the prophet. And we know about that in Matthew from from Jesus being asked the same question, was John the Baptist, Elijah, the coming of the before the coming of the great day of the Lord. And the last the last verse of Malachi is that he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children of the fathers, least I come and smite the earth with a curse. Okay, God's gonna shut it down. So Christ takes care of all this. And not your ten percent, not your ten percent. So once again, I'm not I'm not, I'm just trying to protect you if you've fallen for this or you feel some kind of guilt uh, in this because I was real disappointed to see, you know, my favorite biblical scholar, uh, such an intelligent man, use this um, really to, to give, get people to give to his, his ministry and to tell such a, a horrible story about the guy who says, I can't afford it. And the answer is, well, then you need to cut back on other things in your life so you can't afford to pay 10% of all income to my ministry. So I don't agree with that at all. I don't agree with that at all. And to think that you're going to be protected if you do that and nothing bad is going to happen to you. That's that's like saying I go to church and so nothing bad could happen to me. Or I'm a Christian, nothing bad could happen to me. And I've been through that. I used to feel, I felt that way uh, when I first got saved that because I was a Christian, it, you know, the wind shouldn't be able to come and destroy my property, you know. And uh, it was really hard because I kind of just looked at God as a magic genie. Um, that you know, once you're there, you're protected because you're a son of God or whatever. And that's simply not the case because God is sovereign and all things will work out for <clears throat> good to those who are the called, okay? But when you're going through it, you can't absolutely say, I can't go through it because God said I'm not. That's not it's just the opposite. Suffering is what's promised us because we have to be refined. We're of a sin nature. We're of a fallen nature. And our righteousness is only through Christ, but we still live down here in our sinful nature. And that's uh, something that uh, we have to give over to God and Him be our sovereign. And so we work through those things. Amen. All right. So don't, uh, hope you don't get me wrong. And I, you know, hope you understand what I'm trying to say, but I just had to address this. All right. Good night. We'll talk to you later.